You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. We must search for what is truth. You doubt me. Seek proof. What is truth? And what is God? The first duty is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. Then here is the proof you seek. You don't really want an answer to that question. When I began the deconstruction of my faith about six years ago, I really didn't think I'd set foot in a church again. That all changed when I visited Brea Congregational United Church of Christ for episode 23 of season 1 on the Armchair Philosopher. I was introduced to a whole new idea of Christianity, a loving and inclusive space where people actively pursue Jesus no matter their background. At this point, I still had a ways to go in my deconstruction, but I wasn't necessarily scared of eventually making my way back to a church anymore. All of us on this journey are forging our own path. Some leave Christianity or religion altogether. Some just don't care to pursue these ideas anymore and just go on with their lives. But there are those who would like to find a sacred space as they start to reconstruct their own faith on their own terms. ChurchClarity.org is a resource for people in search of a safe and inclusive space to worship. Today, I'll be talking to George McHale, the Executive Director of ChurchClarity.org. Welcome to the Armchair Philosopher. I'm Sean DeRegger. Well, today on the Armchair Philosopher, we are uh, discussing, uh, and as we have been through, I guess, the past handful of episodes, uh, LGBTQ issues, and uh, during one of my uh, conversations a couple episodes, a couple episodes back, um, you know, we've been talking about uh, Christianity and LGBTQ and churches, and I, I've, I've talked to, to Jay Baker about his church. And uh, as I was tweeting out about one of these uh, on one of these episodes, uh, somebody made sure that I, I let uh, people know about Church Clarity. And I had I'd signed up before uh, on churchclarity.org and, and looked it up. I actually submitted uh, a church. And so I was very happy somebody reminded me of that because I totally blanked for me during the, <laughs> these, these conversations. So I have uh, with us right now to talk about Church Clarity, George McHale. He's the executive director uh I believe of, of yep. uh, churchclarity.org. So welcome to the Armchair Philosopher, George. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I wanted to, to start things off a little bit getting to know about you. And in your little bio here, it does talk that you grew up in the Coptic Orthodox tradition. And I have, uh, and funny enough, I have a friend of mine from Egypt, or his parents are, and he was oh, very nice. much involved in the Coptic Orthodox as well. So I wanted to kind of ask you about that, um, if you can let people know. Yeah. Exactly what that is, and did you come here from Egypt, or what's what's that background? Uh, yeah, definitely. I probably know your friend too. I mean, we all <laughs> we all kind of know each other. <laughs> um, yeah, I was born in Cairo, and I was four years old when my family immigrated. So we started in uh, Iowa, of all places. Okay, yeah. And but only lasted there about six months, and uh, grew up in Seattle most of my life. So okay, uh, went to the Coptic church that you know my parents made me go to every week uh you know the three hour long sort of liturgy 
I was a, a altar boy deacon, uh, wore the wore the robe and the sash and everything. So um, yeah, I was brought up in that tradition. Left that church um, in middle school after my sister, older sister, um, started going to Young Life, and that was kind of my exit out of Coptic Orthodox tradition into evangelicalism. Okay, all right, and um, and that the the whole Coptic Orthodox traditions is very uh, interesting to me especially over in Egypt with, because there's a lot of tension uh, in, in Egypt with, with all this I've heard. And so what brought you from, what, what brought you from that to the evangelical side of things? Was it, did it seem, uh, was it more of a social or kind of more your speed as I guess a younger person? Like what, what brought you over to that side of yeah, I mean, I think back then it was it was I wanted to fit in with my friends, you know, and I saw my, what my friends were doing uh, during the weekends or, you know, for Young Life. It was it was during the week, I think Monday night campaigners or whatever it was. And I wanted to be a part of that. You know, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to assimilate. I wanted to, to be like uh, like a lot of my white friends, frankly, like that seemed like that was what you what you did. You just kind of went with the with the flow. So um, and certainly I didn't mind trading out three hour long Sundays for you know, one hour long Sundays that, uh, that were all in the language, uh, that I was now was my primary language, English. Um, and so it was, it just made a lot of sense, uh, following, following my sister, my other sister followed Sue. It was kind of this exodus in our family. My, uh, my dad put up a fight, but, uh, you know, we, <laughs> we left, we went to, I started going to a four square church, which is, uh, you know, charismatic, but, you know, praise band and, uh, pretty standard run of your mill evangelical uh, church, and that's really where I was formed in. Um, I'd say theology that I embraced as my own. Like these are my conclusions. Here's what I think about God, based on what I've learned uh, at the at, my, at this four square church. Okay, so where did you go from there? Because obviously, you know, advocating for LGBTQ rights, gay marriage, things like that, are obviously split from the evangelical side of things mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, did you split from that? What, what kind of caused that? Yeah. So my church journey is pretty all over the map. Um, <laughs> after, after Foursquare, I was at um, Mark Driscoll's church for a okay. little while, Mars Hill in Seattle. Uh, so I was pretty Calvinist, pretty conservative. Like I voted for John McCain. I used to watch uh, like Bill O'Reilly. So the, the uh, transformation since then has been pretty uh, remarkable because it hasn't been that much <laughs> Doesn't that much time, really? Right. I'm I'm uh, I'm in the same boat. I I voted for John McCain as well. <laughs> yeah, Shortly so after, uh, my world kind of started getting tr- turned upside down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's not a fun thing to have to admit. But <laughs> that's just that's just true. So, after um, uh, Mars Hill, I think uh, it was my, my last sermon. There was when Driscoll. Uh, this is now sort of an infamous message that he did. He screams into the mic that God hates you. And uh, then repeated it over and over again, and that was that was the day I was like, you know what, I don't know, I don't think I don't think that's true, um, <laughs> and I need to be done here. So right. started going to this this church in Seattle called East Lake Community Church, which was um, just getting started, and it was it was an evangelical church, non denominational. Um, a lot of people sort of compared us to Mars Hill, but there was there's this underlying. Um, um, characteristic of, of East Lake that we noticed right away, which was, it was, it was always an authentic place. It was a place where you could go and you just be real, you know, you talk about what was happening in, in your life. And that was, that was different. It was different than any church that I'd have been a part of. 
So we, uh, my wife and I plugged in to, uh, there and that's where we spent, uh, the next 11 years. So, um, at the time I was in the business world, I was, I was doing mortgages. I had a very successful business career. I was making more money than I knew what to do with. Um, but it was empty. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would wake up every morning and it was all about the hustle. It was all about how much can I earn today and uh, this year and what's my next bonus going to look like. And so, um, as that started to, as I started to get disillusioned with that, uh, I knew I, I needed to find something that was more meaningful. And so, um, around this time, Eastlake was just exploding, uh, in growth. We were about 5,000 people. We were outgrowing the building that we were in and we had started to talk about what the, you know, the craze in the evangelical world back then was, uh, which was going multi-site. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and that's with pastor, uh, a bunch of different kind of, uh, Satellite, like, like satellite churches, and then yeah. you have like the main churches broadcasting okay, exactly. <laughs> <the> message <laughs> via, yep. via peak, peak church capitalism, basically, is, <laughs> is what it was. Um, but it was the first time that I had actually envisioned a a role that could fit my skill set in the church world. Because, um, you know, for a couple of years leading up to this, my pastor, um, Ryan Meeks, had been trying to get me to leave um, my, my job to come work for him. But I was always just like, like, what am I, I'm not a pastor. Like he can't afford me. First of all, I make, I make way too much money in the private sector. Like, I don't know how, you know? So, but when I, when I heard that we were going multi-site, I started to think about things differently and saw, saw a place for me. So anyways, uh, jump ship, walked away from a bunch of money, uh, to go work for East, like as the multi-site director and, uh, helped build eight locations over the next couple of years. And then, about a year and a half later, helped dismantle all eight of those <laughs> because um, in 2015, Eastlake uh, became fully inclusive of the LGBTQ community. Right. Okay. I'm, okay. Yes. I've, I've read about that. Yeah. So it was in Time Magazine and we lost about 30% of our people, 50% of our money pretty much overnight. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was kind of the start of the new framework, the new worldview, you know? Uh, everything changed uh, from from that point on. I mean, 2014 was we were leading, we were planting the seeds for change. But starting in 2015, and then the subsequent backlash, um, my eyes were just opened up to um, seeing the world in a completely different way. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's such a scary thing. And I talked with Jay Baker about that as well because he lost a huge chunk of his ministry um, by becoming uh, affirming. And I feel like that's what most churches and most pastors that I've talked to, (laughs) that's a big deal and something that a lot of them aren't willing to do. And a lot of them kind of end up being a little more vague about how they feel or they don't broadcast. They don't, they just don't broach the subject. And, and that's what Uh I've, I've felt from my conversations. And there's a few people that I want to talk to that I've met personally, uh, that I, I want to sit down and, and really get what they feel. The last pastor I sat down with, he was very vague and he just wouldn't budge on, on, on yeah. uh, the questions. But, uh, but, but I feel like that's a huge part of it because there is these, these, these ministries are also providing for families and mm-hmm. the pastor has a salary, there's staff. So what brought you to wanting to start up churchclarity.org? It's funny because I found you guys out of a need to try to find an affirming church in my community. That's awesome. Um, just because I was curious and I, and I did a search and I found the website. And recently you guys had kind of a little surge, I think, uh, 
in, I believe, hits to the side. I think because there's a whole there was a whole Justin Bieber thing where he uh, mm-hmm. Justin Bieber had told a fan or someone that he's, you know, that they're accepted that and, and everything like that. And but he he, I guess, is a member of a Mars Hill Church in New York. Uh, Hillsong Church. But, Hillsong. Yeah. That's right. Hillsong. Mm-hmm. Mars mm-hmm. Hill Hillsong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's hard Hillsong. to tell the difference anymore. So did, did you guys see a jump in numbers uh, with with that little incident or? Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. Church clarity is just absolutely exploding right now. It's yeah. hard to even keep up. And I'm, I'm not saying that, like, I'm not saying that, you know, like pat ourselves on the back kind of way. It's right. just the, the, the message is resonating at a pretty deep level. And and I see uh, situations like Justin Bieber's um, as you certainly spikes in, in traffic and attention and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I also I hope that it's a result of some of the work that we're doing mm-hmm. that that is less noticed, which is you know, trying to change the conversation, trying to yeah. change the way that people approach uh, these discussions um, and, and centering clarity first, as opposed to theological debate. And that's a, that's a huge okay. part of what, what we're trying to do. Okay. So, what, uh, so to answer your question, I guess, like how, how we got there. You want me to go yeah. To, uh, yeah. Okay, what's, so. what's kind of sparked churchclarity.org? Yeah. Um, so and when did that happen? So after Eastlake became affirming, we went on this, sort of campaign for a little while of, Hey, we just did this, you know, we read all these books and we changed our worldview. You should do it too. Kind of a thing. <laughs> and, uh, we, we started a nonprofit organization. It was called together in this. We hosted a couple events. We, you know, we brought out all the big speakers, Matthew Vines and Steve Chalk and all the great people that we are now friends with. Um, and we, I think our posture back then was we want to change people's minds. We want to argue. Uh, we want to, we want to put together a comprehensive and also actually I'll just speak for myself. That was my posture. Right, right. <laughs> I wanted to change people's minds. I wanted pastors to do what we did. Um, and I maybe wouldn't have described it that crassly back then, but that's that's really what was happening. Mm-hmm. And after a while, um, I came to realize that that was not working. And I did not want to give my life to that uh, because it wasn't effective. Uh, it's not how I changed. I, I didn't change because someone put together you know, a great argument and then uh, you know, did an event in my backyard and I went and paid for it. And like it's not, it wasn't the model that made me change. So why would I expect anyone else to? Um, and, and so I started to look at things a little bit differently. That was like kind of the initial thrust. Uh, and then InterVarsity came out with a policy, um, around this time, I want to say 2016, October ish. Um, that was, it was an 18 page paper on human sexuality, if you're not familiar with it. And they basically came down, um, and clarified that here's our position on on human sexuality. Here's 18 pages of of our logic and how we got here. Moving forward, this is our policy. If you disagree with us, then you need to find another job. Very harsh, very like sort of out of the blue, it seemed like for a lot of people. Um, But I remember feeling at that time, and I I wrote a blog post called uh, InterVarsity Did the Right right Thing, which made nobody happy. Um, (laughs) But my whole point and what I try to continue to emphasize today even is like I can disagree with university the content of them, and this isn't an agree to disagree thing. Like I'm going to be vocal about how harmful it is that they're uh, perpetuating a theology that literally kills people. Right. Um, but at the same time, the work that we need to do at a sort of a macro level is simultaneously appreciating the fact that they're clear about where they're at, because the truth is, m- many many churches, at least in America, can't articulate their their sexual ethic as well as InterVarsity did. And we need them to. We need to know that they're actually like doing their homework and that they have convictions because, and this is what we stress at Church Clarity, everybody has a policy. Everybody has an actively enforced policy, an answer to the question of, hey, will you 
perform this wedding uh, between two men or can I work here if I'm a lesbian, right? There are, there are yes or no answers to those questions, right? So, so we're trying to move past the question of, you know, what do you think the Bible says or um, are you open and affirming or do you love gay people or, you know, these kinds of sort of rhetorical um, conversations that we end up going down all these theological rabbit trails mm-hmm. and we just ask, what's your policy? Why don't you just tell us what your policy is? That'll tell us everything. We I don't even really care about how you get there, frankly. Like, I don't, I don't need to talk about the Bible with you. Or just tell me what, what you do. What's your, what's your answer to these questions? Um, so that's kind of how we got here, is, is realizing that sort of what you started to say, which was ambiguity started to, to thrive in these churches because pastors started realizing that it was going to cost them something, to be yeah. clear, one way, one way or the other. Huh. So, uh, so the site is, is great. And I wanted to kind of walk people through a little bit of what, you know, what the site offers and, uh, and things like that. Now, when I first signed up, I did a, a, a or looked at the site. I was looking for a specific church. It's called The Bridge. Uh, it's in Marietta. And it's a church that I went to for quite some time since I moved out to Southern California. They were called New Covenant. Uh, they were kind of a word, uh, kind of a word of faith. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth is preached about a lot. They, you know, that kind of uh, healing and, and all that kind of stuff, that kind of church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Fun. <laughs> um, a lot of really good people go yeah. there. And I really loved the, 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 the first senior pastor. He, you know, he performed the wedding for my wife and I really good guy he just recently passed away. Um, and, and just a, a really good guy. And I, re- I really wish that I could have sat down and talked to him because by the time I was going through all my stuff, he had, moved to Texas and he was, he had retired. Um, so they changed the name to the bridge and I did a little search and it wasn't in my area. So what you can do when you do a search, you can actually submit that these churches, uh, right. if you want some more clarity about the church. So, um, I'm going to search up the bridge right now and kind of see what the answer was. Uh, sure. Yeah. And while you do that, I can just kind of emphasize the, yeah. the, the entire database is built on crowdsourced information. So we rely on people submitting churches provide, and then providing as much information as they can. Sometimes they just provide a you know name of a church and a URL to their website. And then our volunteer team scores the churches that are submitted to our database. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. So, uh, so by the time, uh, so I've, I've searched them up. So there is uh, a score on here for them. And so their, their LGBTQ policy says unclear, but also says not affirming. And what's great is you can go down to the LGBTQ policy. And it's not that, that the team just did some digging on the website. They went all the way back to kind of uh, it, it, the church itself belongs to the ARC network. And so they searched up the ARC policy, which basically... Uh, vaguely, but a little bit is non-affirming. So, uh, so that's all we have right here. And of course there's the, the pastor, uh, and everything. And I'm going to tweet, uh, you can, you can tweet at the pastor. (laughs) And I'm going to do that right now. (laughs) Got to see what happens. I know him personally, uh, kind of, you know, not every time he sees me at church, he's like, Hey man, how's it going? Staying out of trouble. You know, (laughs) this is the church you still attend. I, I don't, well, I have connections there, uh-huh. um, friends with the youth, uh, the, not with the youth pastor, with the, the worship leader. Um, we have connections there. Like we're friends with a lot of people there. Uh, we're in a weird place right now with wanting to go to a church because my wife and I both are like kind of sick of the church culture. Um, and I'm really would like to find a, an affirming church, but that's not, you know, 
like there's UCC churches in the area, but those for me, my personal, my, you know, how I like music and everything, it's a little stale for me, yeah. but there is some affirming UCC churches in the area. And, uh, and I found those, there's a, uh, uh, Menifee UCC church. That's, that's really great. Um, and that I, I've, I've mentioned before, like that pastor kind of got run out of town cause we're kind of in this weird right wing area of Southern California. Uh, well, Southern California is pretty, pretty Republican anyway, but, um, he was a little too vocal and, and kind of rubbed a lot of the residents the wrong way. And they kind of, uh, they didn't run him out. They kind of just made it, I don't know, just made it a pain. I think he got sick of the, sick of the, of the rat race with that. Mm, but, um, so what's fantastic is you can submit a correction. If you find out something, you can submit things and, and it's, it's just fantastic. Now, how do you guys go about if someone submits a church, sub, submits a church name, um, you said you have volunteers and, mm-hmm. um, do they call the church and just ask questions or they search the web what's the specific method that they kind of yeah um so our team is about 40 volunteers right now and they're located all over the world uh we meet through our virtual office on uh, our slack workspace which is awesome and we work through uh submissions together so we have different teams that that have sort of different specialties and as you can see they do a ton of research i mean this is uh this is a pretty in-depth process we've developed our own scoring methodology that um Sarah New, who's on our leadership team and, co- and she's a co-founder, uh, leads that that team and that sort of department, so to speak. Um, but basically, our methodology is based on clarity um, in terms of a church's website. So we don't make any phone calls. We don't do any physical visits. Okay. Um, our, right now, our methodology is limited to the Internet. <laughs> and our scoring is um, emphasizing a church's actual primary website. So we want to see what what, what we um, determine as clear is when a church indicates on the primary pages of their website, their actively enforced policies. So it can't be buried somewhere like in a blog three years ago or whatever and be considered clear. Or it can't be sort of an offhanded mention in a sermon. Um, people people can't be expected to, to discern your policy by doing that much digging. I mean, the reality is, and the reason we've, we've landed on this me- methodology um, is that people, when they're looking for a church, they do an internet search in 2018 and they look at the church's website and they try to, if they have, if there's someone who requires an affirming church, you know, um, which is a growing uh, group, a, a percentage of the population, they're going to want to know unequivocally that, that that church is affirming. And so we basically just cut through all the BS and, and we just spell it out uh, based on publicly available information. And the goal is to increase the standard by which uh, churches are expected to be clear. And what's also great is you're not, you're also advocating for like, uh, is, is there women in leadership? You know, that's what I, when I was looking through this today, I noticed on some of these churches, there's, that is brought up as well. So it's not just LGBTQ per se, like there is the women in leadership thing as well, which is, which is a a big deal, um, to a lot of people as well. And have you guys received like pushback as, uh, once you've started going, uh, with all this, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Oh yeah. What what kind of pushback, (laughs) pushback to you guys? Cause I know that a lot of people want to, when you start asking questions, they, they refer strictly just right back to the Bible or here's what the Bible says. Um, what's the kind of pushback that, you guys have seen 
Well, what's beautiful is most of it, it goes down these areas like the Bible or theology or whatever that we are explicitly uninterested in. You know? Right. Okay. So the pushback that we get, so our, 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 um, our slogan is clarity is reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. And that's intentionally worded to say that like reasonable is such a soft word, right? The reality is clarity is actually more than reasonable, but at the very minimum, it is reasonable. It is reasonable to expect when I walk into a place, I understand what's going on. I, I kind of get the rules right before I'm expected to invest any of my time or my money or, or, or do a bunch of investigative research. Like I should just know, I should just know to what extent I'm welcome and to what extent I can participate. Like these are reasonable things. And so, um, I actually haven't heard any pushback. I haven't heard anybody say clarity is not reasonable. I'll put it that way. Okay. Uh, because there's no, there's no argument. There's no, there's no one that's saying, well, you're just, no, like I, I should be able to, I think the closest thing is, you know, we try to deal with these matters in the context of local community and relationship, right? And I get that to a certain extent, and that's probably the strong, I guess, maybe the strongest argument, uh, even though it's not that strong, um, (laughs) because the church is a body and and, and churches belong to each other. And furthermore, if that were true, you wouldn't have a website that was accessible around the globe, Mm -hmm. right? If you were trying to just kind of have this I don't know, like closed off local community where you guys deal with matters there, you would actually be doing that. So I just call BS when, when it's like a mega church that's unwilling to uh, disclose their, their policies. And they're like, well, we just deal with this in house. I'm like, no, your whole thing is about growth and getting people in the door and you are baiting and switching on people. And you, you run a policy of basically don't ask, don't tell. And it's, it's harmful that people are getting hurt as a result of it. So the pushback, um, yeah, I'm still actually waiting for pushback that that says I want someone to say, clarity is not reasonable. Here's why. Um, I, haven't, I haven't had that yet. Well, I mean, that's the to me that's kind of the genius of of the website. What you guys are doing. Um, I mean, technically, anyone can use it. <laughs> you know right. I mean, like, exactly. Like if you're someone who doesn't want an affirming church, you can actually find that right here. <laughs> you know, you can, exactly. Um, and it kind of goes both ways and it's almost like, uh, I watch a lot of movies, so it's always like, you know, summer blockbusters are always like critic proof, <laughs> you know, because there's that specific goal is like, it's just a summer movie and it's just, it's, you know, uh, we're going to hit these, uh, you know, in that context, entertain people as, you know, without ruffling any feathers. Um, but, but what I like about, what I like about this is, yeah, anybody can use this. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you go to the FAQ, there's information on here on why, you know, why is it important? Uh, why does, you know, why do these policies, you know, how can these harm people? You know, these the non-affirming policies. Or um, a- ambiguous policies. Yes, yes. So <laughs> More critically, yeah. <laughs> how do you they guys both go- harm people, but the, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sorry. Let, well, no. Let, let's let's talk about that a little bit, um, a little bit further. Mm-hmm. I mean, how I can see personally how uh, being vague can harm people, and you've you've alluded to it as well, kind of being a bait and switch, where uh, say a gay couple wants to go to a church and they feel like it's an open, you know, affirming church. Everyone's so nice when they come in. They go a, a couple Sundays. It seems fine. Uh, but then, you know, maybe someone approaches them or maybe they something in the sermon you know, rubs them the wrong way. Um, what are some other examples of this vagueness kind of 
being harmful to a, a church, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a congregation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really just comes down to people being misled as to how welcome they are. So they'll invest years of their lives or, or, uh, financial resources. Um, I mean, attending, volunteering, giving, um, championing this community only to find out two or three years later that, you know, when they ask, uh, the pastor, if they'll perform their wedding, mm-hmm. uh, the pastor says, no, we, I can't do that. That's where I draw the line. Now the pastor, pastor, uh, sort of concealing that up until the point where he gets the question mm-hmm. is, is the harm. That's the harmful part, right? Because here's the other thing too. I think people miss this point uh, a lot. And that is there are a lot of LGBTQ people that I've encountered who are, um, who go to non-affirming churches, um, un- with the knowledge that that church is not affirming. Right. And I say a lot, I don't mean like, you know, it's an overwhelming like majority at all. I just mean like that, that does exist. There are those, um, those people who, who, uh, intentionally are a part of those communities. And so I think that sometimes we get dismissed because people think that we're trying to, you know, label non-affirming churches as homophobic or, or whatever, which that's a whole nother conversation. But the reality is with clarity, the entire dynamic of the community changes when, when there's no pretense, when there's no fakeness, you know, it's that whole thing I started out talking about Eastlake that, that we noticed even before Eastlake was a, was an open and affirming church. It was an authentic church. And I think that's really what, what the church is missing is, um, it's gimmicky. It's, it's consumeristic. It's, you're trying to sell me something all the time. Um, and, and I think a big part of that is this need to protect truth. Ultimately Mm -hmm. the truth of, we can't let people like think about Hillsong last couple of weeks, right? Uh, just not even addressing this Justin Bieber thing, just ignoring it as if it's not happening. That was bizarre. And and, and, and I mean, this is what, this is what churches do. Uh, but, but the, the, angst that you can almost feel behind the scenes of, Oh my God, like the panic, like Justin Bieber just did this thing and this video dropped. People are talking about it. Um, that's an, that's a really big problem that, mm-hmm. that uh, a lot of people don't talk about. Um, you know, we just see, we just see Hillsong thriving and we see Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber going there and we're like, Oh, they must be, you know, doing something great or whatever. Um, the reality is they've just, they just have a really good marketing team. <laughs> and they've, they've done a masterful job of, of putting together a product that people want to buy. Right. So, uh, so yeah, they're probably the, the biggest church that, that would have a problem with what we're doing because we are, we're cutting through all the other rhetoric um, and just saying, okay, that's fine. Hillsong. Just tell us what's your, what's your policy? Mm-hmm. How welcome is this queer person going to be that, that Justin Bieber just invited to your church to his millions of followers? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, an interesting conundrum that I've seen these churches because they're they're seeker friendly churches, right? That's what they're called. A church like Hillsong or um, a church like that, they keep everything kind of. Um, I keep using the word vague, I mean, but but that's I feel like that's what they do. Like whenever I, I sure. would go to a church like that, I would feel like I feel like everyone would rush in sit through kind of a milk toast sermon feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everyone goes home and no one's ever re- connected or asking questions or, you know, participating in, in the community. And once you get to that level and with those churches being so big, uh, not addressing these issues, I feel like is a huge problem. 
um, because they have this huge, they do have this platform of, of all these people and, mm-hmm. and you just don't really, it's, it is never addressed. And you no, know, I, I don't know, like, like before this latest administration of the white house, I was like, man, things are looking good. I, I was like, man, five years, the church is mm. going to be affirming at least most of yeah. it. You know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> and, and these past couple of years have been rough. Cause I'm like, man, we got another uphill battle going with all this because, because you have this crazy form of e- evangelicalism, which is like the completely the wrong word. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the, these, you know, the, the conservative, American evangelicals have ruined the term evangelical because it's not even what even that's not even what the word means. Yeah, they've um, ruined a few things. Let's, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, they've yeah, ruined yeah. several things in the world, actually. Um, but, but so yes. so it's like it's it's almost it's a little disheartening. But I feel but but uh, just with seeing the website uh, thriving and and people searching this out, I mean. Uh, you have when you first when you first log into the site, you see how many churches have been published. There's like 1,691, mm-hmm. uh, just 37 have been published this week, and you you see the numbers. We're almost at a 50-50 split with affirming and non-affirming. Do you see the pendulum swinging, and 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 the affirming churches kind of taking over those numbers, or, or but? But it's almost like it's almost like reflective of our political climate in this sure. weird 50-50 split. What what encourages you, I guess, mm-hmm. with moving forward? Do you feel the church do you, is moving towards becoming more affirming or what what do you see with all this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really the hardest question um, yeah. for me. Not because I'm not encouraged. I'm actually very, very encouraged by the resonance and the success of Church Claire. I mean, we're only eight months old, and it feels yeah. like it's been years that we've been yeah. doing this. Um, but it's it's sort of the need at some level to stay um, agnostic to mm-hmm. the outcome of where churches land theologically, <laughs> which sounds like um, a cop out at some level, but like, you gotta understand I've been there. I've been, I've been, I've been in that world. I've been trying to do that. And church clarity isn't the only organization sort of in the space. And there's, mm-hmm. there's other organizations that are, that are doing the work of helping guide churches theologically from one place to another. Um, and I think we'll play a role in, in that and helping facilitate that and helping deliver data for that. Um, we're in a lot of conversations with potential partners and potential funders who are sort of interested in that, that specific dynamic. But for me, my main thing as the executive director of, of this organization trying to lead us to uh, a really specific uh, mission is I want to score every church. I want to score. Yeah. There's, there's about 250,000 to 300,000 churches just in America. Um, and I want to score all of them based on their clarity. Uh, and I mean, even the, the figures you just uh, stated, 50-50, you're actually looking at um, the juxtaposition between unclear and okay. clear churches. Gotcha. Okay. Not not affirming and not affirming. Okay. You actually have to drill down to get their specific um, theology. But but I think the reason that should be heartening is because you can see the opportunity for movement, right? right. If we raise the standard of clarity, then um, undisclosed the days of undisclosed churches, unclear churches existing uh, should actually be uh, a fight that seems winnable in my mind because clarity is reasonable. So, so what are, why are there 142 churches who are just undisclosed, who just think they, they, they don't have to uh, address real life 
policy matters that they're enforcing every day. Why is that? That's something that actually troubles me. That's something that you can get me like really, really passionate about is to me, it's an injustice. It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense why you think you can get away with just skirting uh, a question when, when yeah. someone who is a part of your community is asking, let alone when somebody's, someone who's a part of the body, right? So now we're talking about a, a systemic issue that we're trying to address as members of supposedly the same body. We are saying this is, this is not acceptable. You have to, you have to be clear. And so I get encouraged by what is a quantifiable and measurable uh, mission that, that we are going to score every church and we are going to increase uh, the standard of clarity because see that 166 verified clear churches on our website, on our, our homepage there. So verified clear churches, that is the new standard of clarity that we're creating. We are building this around verified clear churches because those churches, unlike every other score, even the clear scores, verified clear means they've actually proactively disclosed and submitted their actively enforced policies to our team. So we've had an, an interaction with them and we have verified that these are their policies. Um, and verified clear is interesting because we are, um, we're interested in that the fact that you are willing to disclose your policy proactively. We're mm -hmm. not interested in, um, what the answer to the question is. So you can be verified gotcha, clear. Right and have the answers and we have some some verified clear churches who are not affirming um and all we do is we just publish their answers so we put the, if you if you go to verified clear churches and you look um does this church uh, perform same-sex weddings yes or no right and and under verified clear you'll find churches that are both yes and no okay um okay. so that's been a really really encouraging part of this because people who are uh, willing to be clear and who see clarity as reasonable and who are not affirming are resonating with this message as well. So if we can get pre pressure from both sides to, you know, to pressure basically the unclear, ambiguous middle, then we have something pretty powerful, I think. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so uh, I need to start wrapping up here, but uh, you can go to churchclarity.org and, and find all this. I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, about advocates. So I just signed up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what does it mean to yes. become Thanks. an advocate? Is this Welcome. just helping spread the word or what? Uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the idea behind the advocates was really people who resonate and who affirm that the, the idea that clarity is reasonable. I mean, that's the, that's the minimum thing for, for you to be an advocate from there. We're really building around these folks. Uh, all, uh, all of our volunteers are obviously advocates. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, church leaders who, who are advocates just give us a boost in terms of, yeah, their, their voice and spreading the word. But basically it's just another mechanism to apply pressure because that is, that's ultimately the, the strategy here is to say, look at all these people who are saying clarity is reasonable, sort of like a, a, a petition that's being facilitated, um, on our platform. Mm -hmm. Um, so if, if we, the more advocates that we have, the more pressure that's being applied to pastors. So we have plans in the future to um, integrate advocates more into the website, into the platform, make it more interactive and, mm -hmm. and provide ways for advocates to uh, participate in this work because there is a lot of work to do. But um, but yeah, so far right now, it is it's a it's a way for people to say that I believe clarity is reasonable. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to use my voice to to uh, spread that word. Very nice. All right. So um so like I said, go over to churchclarity.org and uh, find out everything. Make sure you get on their email list as well so you get updates. And there's just a lot of stuff to, to look through and to help spread the word. 
definitely. Uh, is there anything, George, that you can think of that I haven't brought up yet that people should uh, uh, know about what Church Clarity is doing? Um, we talked about it a little bit, but I would just emphasize, like, if you don't see the church that you're looking for in there, then please mm-hmm. submit it to our crowdsource database and it'll go into our pipeline for our team to score. We uh, we have a backlog right now. We have over 2,000 churches have been submitted in eight months since we launched. And so we have a little bit of a backlog, but, um, you know, in a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, roughly, you submit a church today, we'll get that published and scored. So, okay, yeah, and, join uh, the work. And I see here that uh, you guys post, uh, do, you, do you put them all up every Sunday or is it kind of scattered? whenever they're, they're done. How do you guys? Yeah. The goal is every, every Sunday we do, we do a a new release of, of churches. And so that's usually pretty consistent. Our whole, our entire organization right now is volunteer run. Um, you know, like I said, we uh, launched eight months ago and we're in that sort of incubator baby phase of, of our life cycle. And we're, we're talking to, to funders and, um, organizations to, um, potentially give us grants or, or funding. But, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the the place that we're in. We're trying to to build this out to where it can be more of a a robust, you know, st- well staffed and and well resourced um, sort of platform. But right now it's all volunteer run. So that's the other thing too. Is if you want to volunteer, we'd love to we'd love to have you. All right, we may be talking about that. <laughs> no cool. about. All right, George. Well, thank you so much for for talking with me today about churchclarity.org. I really love what you guys are doing, and uh, I'm I'm. You know, I'm sure you guys aren't going away anytime soon. I really want to see these numbers jump up. And uh, it, th- this is just an amazing tool. And I'm just so glad uh, that you guys are, are, are here. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. It was great chatting. thank all of you for listening today. I want to thank my guest, George McHale, for taking the time to talk to me about churchclarity.org. Please go to churchclarity.org, check them out, uh, become an advocate and a volunteer if you can. If you have time, they they can definitely use the help. And uh, just and spread the word. Tell people about them. They are on Twitter. I believe it's just Church Clarity. Uh, but I'll be putting all these links in the show notes to the website and their social media. So please check them out. If you want to hear more episodes of The Armchair Philosopher, you can go to theaxpx.com. All seasons are available for you to listen. You can also check them out uh, over on iTunes. You can subscribe there or anywhere you can hear uh, your podcasts. Music on today's podcast is by Slow Dancing Society. Intro to the show and outro by The Candle Park Stars. Please head over to theaxpx.com slash music. You can hear all their music over there. And uh, if you dig what you hear, go ahead and uh, and purchase it. Let them know that we sent you over here from the Armchair Philosopher. We had a little mix-up with uh, the topics. So next week, I know last episode I said we'd be covering gender identity this episode. That conversation will be on the next episode. So I'm very, uh, very much looking forward to tackling that subject and, uh, and, and having these uh, conversations. If you would like to uh, submit any stories about gender identity, about your own 
personal journey, that would be great. You can email readme at theaxpx.com. You can contact me over on Twitter at theaxpx. If you would like to leave a voicemail about your journey, you can dial 951-723-5586 and leave a voicemail there, and I can include it on the show. Uh, That'd be awesome. Um, So after the gender identity episode, I will be putting the the LGBTQ conversations uh, on hold for now. I feel like we've really... I feel like we've... I feel like I've covered it quite a bit this year, but I also feel like I've barely scratched the surface. So definitely next season, we will be coming back around to this. I'll probably for the entire month of June, um, plan ahead and, and get for every week of June, some sort of episode out on LGBTQ uh, would be, would be pretty awesome. But uh, there's a lot of other things I want to talk about before the season concludes. So we will be broaching the subject of cannabis and cannabis use and uh, the legality of that. Uh, it's legal here in California. So, uh, so just I'll be covering that subject and uh, we'll dive into some more kind of uh, deconstruction, ex-evangelical type conversations as well. If you have uh, anything you would like to say and would like to, for it to be on the show, again, you can dial 951-723-5586 or contact me via email. All that information, of course, over at theaxpx.com. And lastly, before we go, make sure you check out all the other shows over on ScreamingPods.com. The Sacred Collective is there. Some really great conversations there. Uh, the Life After is a great show if you if you dig what I'm doing here. And uh, uh, Lauren R.E. Larkin is starting up a new podcast. Her podcast is called Sancta Colloquia. And there should be a page up very soon. Her first episode is has been recorded and uh, I'm going to be, I'm producing that, uh, that podcast. So it should be edited and posted very soon. So Lauren R.E. Larkin's new show, Sancta Colloquia, uh, very soon over at screamingpods.com. All right. I want to thank all of you for listening. I'll talk to all of you next time. Bye-bye.